Welcome to the Future Is Podcast, where we meet the people shaping what's next in technology, business, and beyond. I'm your host, Bill Kirkus, Chief Marketing Officer at Honeywell. What a great guest and topic we have today. It's talking about the last time we've been to the moon in 1972 during NASA's Apollo mission. And now about 50 years later, we have the NASA's Artemis program, right, preparing to launch. It'll bring humans back to the moon for the first time in decades. Really cool things happening in the space sector, both with NASA, commercial space. So today's episode, really really excited to talk to Chris Chris Curley, Director of National Programs in Human Space here at Honeywell. We're going to talk all things moon, all things Artemis Project, and just the future of, of space travel. Chris, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Bill. I'll ask a real simple question up front, but I bet you it's a super cool answer. Is what, what do you do at Honeywell specifically, and, and how did you get into a career in space? As a Director of National Programs in, in Human Space, run the day-to-day operations for, for those two businesses at Honeywell with the program managers reporting to me. Those program managers are accountable for uh, meeting the needs of the customer and, and executing to the needs of the mission. How I got into a career in space is kind of a, in a roundabout way. When I was, was younger, I used to ask my uh, parents to, to send me to NASA's space camp Never made it there. Joined the military after about a year and a half of, of college and wound up going to Embry-Riddle after I got out for, for aerospace engineering. And uh, just to, kind of as a matter of you know happenstance or, or fate, kind of gravitated back towards space. Kind of just found myself back here and, and really couldn't be happier because it's, it's been a passion of mine since I was, was very young. That's always cool when you're you're doing something in your work life that you're passionate about, kind of in your personal life and, and growing up. So we talked about it's been quite a you know, quite a few decades since we stepped on the moon. I remember President Kennedy and all the innovation and excitement about flight and space visits and moon visits. What do you do specifically, or what does I guess really what does Honeywell do specifically to help really make Artemis a success and get off the ground and get our feet back on the moon? Right now, Honeywell is is providing four different product lines for the Orion space capsule, and that's the guidance and navigation systems, the command and data handling, the displays and controls, and the flight software. What's probably the most interesting to, to people not regularly working on uh, the Orion capsule is the displays and controls, and, and essentially that is everything that, that goes into the cockpit of the Orion spacecraft that the astronauts use to both monitor and and maneuver uh, in space. Which which is incredible if you think about it. I mean, you need, I can't even imagine the precision you need, but you're doing that a gazillion miles away, right? So, I mean, talk a little bit more about our, our precision that you need in terms of the products we developed, the navigation, right? Just getting there and the, the science and the engineering behind it. Sure. So something that a lot of people don't know about Honeywell and Honeywell Space is that we've been on every single NASA spacecraft and mission since the first time we've ever sent anything to space. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's a real storied history. I was watching a documentary just a couple months ago. You know, my wife was staring at her her iPhone because she... It's clearly less interested in 
you know, the details of how to <laughs> land a rover on Mars than, than I am. And uh, I paused yeah. it and got her attention. I said, you see that little black box hanging on the side of that? I said, that's, that's Honeywell, right? We pointed to a, to a MIMU, which is a, a miniature inertial measurement unit. It's a, it's a guidance and navigation system. And we've actually deployed over 675 of them into space already on various uh, you know, spacecraft. And this happened to be on the last Mars rover that just went up. It was responsible for ensuring that the, the rover was able to land on the surface of Mars. Uh, so, I mean, we've, we've honed our skill. Uh, we've got some of the most precise and reliable uh, guidance and navigation systems available and not really some of the most precise and reliable systems in existence. So Honeywell has had a long history of incremental improvements, and we really have, have just focused on providing the, the most precise and highest performance instruments known to man in terms of space. So, yeah, so let's get back to, to, to the space part of it. So Walk me through, you know, why is it so critical to get back on the moon, right? Feet on the moon, if you will, and, and, and the Artemis program. What's the, what's the bigger picture there? Sure. So, I mean, there's, there are obviously many angles to it, but the end goal here for, for the Artemis and, and Orion mission is to get to Mars. So what we're trying to do is, is break back out of low Earth orbit from a, from a manned spacecraft, uh, manned spaceflight aspect and and prove out the technologies and the processes needed to um, reach kind of a, a long-term habitation of Mars and, and then ultimately other planetary bodies. And with the moon being obviously the, the closest of options and us having been there, it's really both a proving ground uh, as, as well as our, no pun intended, you know, launch point to Mars long term, and and that's that's what we're we're ultimately aiming to achieve here. I mean, that's that's pretty crisp. I mean, you're right. Like you, you need a proving ground, and that's a good test bed, right? The closest you know, closest to us, and then of course the stepping stone to to future travel. So, you know, we we talk a lot about Honeywell. Two things: one is just the the zeal and passion we have for innovation and invention. And then kind of just also the the breakthrough initiatives or, you know, the types of products or, or services that we develop. What are some things that you're thinking about down the road and, and gets you and the team excited? You know, there, there's a few things, a few different different avenues there as well, right? So you've got the, the, the long-term mission on the moon, right? Obviously, we've got to get there. We've got to, it's got to be a proving ground, but we're going to dump a lot of time, effort, and, and money into that. And and at some point, we'll achieve that goal and be transitioning towards, okay, how do we get from there to Mars? And we've got to figure out, okay, we've spent all these resources and we've gotten there. What what else is there to do, right, on the moon? And so for us, and looking at that, and we're talking real long-term, right, because we've got some short and medium-term challenges and, and sure. initiatives, but, but real long-term, okay, we want to move from habitation to more of a colonization posture. How do we do that, right? It's like go, moving from living in a tin can to actually living, I don't want to say in a house, but in buildings, right? So, so what does that look like? And what we really start doing is looking at Honeywell as a whole, 
right? We've got building technologies, we've got building solutions, we have, you know, all of all of these different business units in Honeywell. And so what we're really looking at really long term is how do we leverage that, right? We're really creating a new market and a new industry in a way that we haven't seen since the advent of of the railroads, right? Hmm. And and the attempt to connect the east of the United States to you know the frontier out in the west and and this is is really the same thing except just a lot further away and and a lot more technologically advanced and so we look at it from the standpoint of okay what markets are going to be created here what are the future needs and one of those is is data you know it when we get to mars it takes 20 minutes for for information to go from the from earth to mars or mars back to uh, to earth and with the moon not as long but there's there's going to be super high data needs and it's going to need to be crisp and, and accurate so we can make and help make real-time decisions so really those two areas i would say is is the data needs and the in, ever-increasing need for bandwidth as well as how do we leverage the larger honeywell to to really move from a habitation stance to a colonization stance that's just absolutely fascinating to me. Let's talk a little bit about the commercial space travel, some of these companies developing spaceships, touching on you know, edge of space with some everyday consumers like you or I going. Had you earlier in your career, had you had you thought about that possibly happening? And and what's your what's your thoughts on that today? Yeah, you know, I'm 35. Uh, so I've I kind of grew up in, in early second, we'll call it the second space age, right? So it was after we were done going to the moon, but we were kind of looking forward, right? And there there had been multiple programs at NASA, and the predecessor to the Constellation program, then the Constellation program, and now Artemis, that focused on, on going to space. And then with the advent of these commercial companies and, and them coming in and wanting to do this, I, I think it was always in the plan, right? If you had been uh, interested in space since the 90s, not just with the space shuttle and everything else, but um, I think it's great. And I think it's really led to the acceleration of what we're seeing now in our ability to actually get to the moon long term and go to Mars. And, and quite frankly, I'm pretty optimistic that I'll get to space in my lifetime, which is which is great. It's crazy. I mean, so that's such a cool comment there. It, Unbelievable, right? We wouldn't have been talking about this, you know, 20, 30 years ago yeah. at all, probably about that. Well, let me get some career advice from you. So what would you tell people, uh, maybe in college, high school, maybe just getting out of college, What what's the path to get to kind of the level and, and the direction and the programs you're working on? I'll start with an anecdote that my father told me years ago. He's an attorney, or I guess is retired attorney now. Uh, and he said to me that um, college has nothing to do with law school and law school has nothing to do with being a lawyer. And that was always interesting to me uh, and, and thought a lot about what that meant uh, over the years. And so, so what I would say is, you know, you've got to learn that stuff. You need that baseline level of, of knowledge and baseline level of skill coming out of school and, and early in your career. But what you really need to focus on is honing your skill on how to solve problems and how to do that in a structured manner. 
it's, it's, if there are no problems to solve, most of us don't need jobs. I certainly <laughs> wouldn't really be as busy as I am if there weren't problems to solve, right? And, and the skill set of using a structured and disciplined approach to solve problems and to be able to repeat that agnostic of the, the details of that problem is something that we're really not taught unless you go to school for systems engineering. It's probably one of the most important skills you can have and in any business, but even more so when you're kind of on the leading edge of technology and engineering. Our customers come to, to Honeywell where, yeah, we have the highest performance, although we don't not always the fastest or the cheapest, but they all say, man, does Honeywell know how to solve a problem, right? And, and they trust us to do those hard things because we have people that, that, that know how to remove those roadblocks and solve problems and meet the needs of the mission. And, and so I'd say that's really the single most important thing. It's a fascinating answer. I, I got similar advice from my dad, which I share with my kids, which is college will give you a foundational education on what you're trying to focus on. And it may get you your first job, right? But um, you got to get your your hands dirty and the experience and really go and see and learn what you need to go do much more than the foundational education you get as well. That's um, fascinating. We had similar parents. Yes, I'm good. <laughs> So we like to wrap up the, the podcast. Obviously, it's focused on the future. And so we like to ask every one of our guests, and, and I'll take you back maybe five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Um, when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, I told, kind of told you the story about, about Space Camp. But when I was younger, I, yeah. I really, really kind of wanted to, to be a fighter pilot, right? And I had joined the, the military with that, that in mind. But yeah, nine or ten, you know. The, something with adrenaline, right? Like, like being a fighter pilot. So, uh, but yeah, or a professional athlete, but I, you know, I'm, I'm about five, seven, so that wasn't really going to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you on that dream. Um, but it's cool that you were, you know, you, even at that age, you were thinking about flight, maybe not, maybe not space flight, right. But just something with, with flying. That's, that's interesting to me. Yeah. I think in uh, third or fourth grade, I actually did a science project on um, aerodynamics, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. A lot smarter than I am. I, I'm not sure what I would have done in a science project at that grade. So uh, Chris, uh, fascinating stuff. I know all of us at Honeywell are rooting for you, but the, the project you're working on, there's, you know, millions of, of people, governments. Uh, we're all excited about the project you're working on and appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Future Is. For more stories on the people and innovation shaping what's next in business and life, subscribe to The Future Is and leave us a review where you listen to your podcasts.